Hey there, everybody, and welcome once again to XP Gains. My name is McThane, and I'm here with my therapist and co-host... Mr. Silverstrike. Yeah, once again. And today we're going to be continuing our finishing up section on talking about the genres that we love most and what we love about them. We're going to be talking about the shooter-like collection of genres, and we're going to be going over Battle Royale, like PUBG and Fortnite. We're going to be talking about... An interesting one that we've had to give our own name to, because we, we haven't really heard a decisive name for this subgenre, but keep listening and you'll find out what I'm talking about later. Uh, looter shooters, like Warframe, The Division, Destiny, Borderlands, all those. Isometric shooters, so we're talking about uh, top-down, twin-stick kind of shooters. And uh, a few other things peppered in here and there. Uh, I think that's everything. Have I missed anything, Mr. Silverstrike? No, I think that's everything. We'll get right to it and enjoy the episode. Everybody, have a good one. Last time you teased at the end of the episode that you invented a new term for a specific kind of shooter, and you said it's the chicken run shooter. <laughs> maybe we can, uh, yes. maybe we can kick off with that. Okay, so yeah, basically, I uh, I've been playing games like this is going to spoil it just a little bit, but you know, listen in and you'll you'll hear the whole story, right? So. I have been uh, playing games like Left 4 Dead, Left 4 Dead 2, and um, more recently, the kind of Left 4 Dead melee biased, but very well rebuilt pseudo-clone, which is Vermintide, and Vermintide 2, um, having a lot of fun with those games, and uh, we were talking about the shooter-like genre, and <laughs> we didn't know what to call these, because they are these kind of A to B kind of I don't know, like bombing run type shooters where you basically just go through a set course or a set track and you achieve a bunch of objectives along the way. There are bonuses, which, you know, obviously incur added difficulty, but, you know, you get better rewards at the end for your loot or whatever. Um, and I, I decided I would call these chicken run shooters because, <laughs> because it's like you just get in a little, you get in a, in a little course or a trench basically, and you just run along until you hopefully get to the end. Yeah. So, um, there it is, folks. It's the uh, it's the chicken run shooter genre. Um, there are like what four games I, I, in this genre. I, I don't even know. There there might be more. Actually, I would like to see a list of these kind of shooters because um, they're a lot of fun. They are. Yeah. So um, basically, it's it's a kind of game where you are playing as a first person either shooter or hack and slash game in the case of uh, Vermintide, and there's yeah. a set course for you have to get from point A to point B. And you basically always have to keep moving and killing, otherwise you will just get overrun by enemies and you will not make yeah. it. Essentially, yeah. And a lot of these have uh, kind of pseudo-survival elements like healing and various other things that you have to do and you're always vulnerable while you're doing these things. So um, yeah, kind of a kind of a lot of fun. I, I really enjoy these shooters. Um, I think the, one of the interesting things about these is that they have so much replay value, even though you would think that they would get stale really fast um why is that i mean you've you've played vermintide with us like why like why do we keep coming back to it <laughs> well i was i was someone who did not enjoy uh left for dead or vermintide like a whole lot i thought they were pretty fun but they get stale after a while for me mm -hmm. so maybe you, you have to be talking to somebody else for that specific thing but yeah um lollyputter loves those yeah. Yeah. I kind of want to go back to Vermintide. I remember um, I recently had to upgrade my CPU because I was having all kinds of troubles with games not running very well. And specifically, Vermintide 2 was having lots of issues when there were a lot of enemy guys on the screen. But now everything runs uh, a lot smoother. So I actually want to go back to Vermintide 2 and play it some more. And Because I've been playing mm. exclusively the elf. Um, yeah, you really should try more than one class. Yes, <laughs> which... Uh, it's kind of a limited experience of the game. And I haven't even done all the missions uh, either as well. So, Yeah, in, especially in Vermin, uh, Vermintide 2, there are actually quite a lot of, uh, of missions. I, like, I remember in the first game, it could be a little bit lacking in variety. And in particular, I felt the kind of uh, the first uh, mission that you did, the, the first one that you start with when you're doing the kind of tutorial and it's giving you a walkthrough and everything like that. Um, I really felt like that one was the most enjoyable one to do, in my opinion, and I would I would happily play that one over and over again, even though um, there were quite a few other maps, because I just didn't really feel like the other ones were as well built. Um, but I definitely feel like in Vermintide 2, the variety seems a lot more 
rewarding. It doesn't just seem like variety for variety's sake, if that makes sense, but it's not as well put together. Um, I really enjoy the other maps, um, generally speaking, quite a lot. And the fact that each one kind of brings its own own gameplay style. But yeah, I mean, uh, really, Lully Putter and uh, to a, maybe to a lesser degree, myself, um, I think he really enjoys perfecting a process. He really enjoys that kind of systems approach to gameplay. And I think that's one of the reasons why he likes that so much is because you can you can get into it, you can go through it, you can have a really almost what you might call the perfect run where you never make any mistakes and you handle all the uh, all the special enemies that show up uh, in the right way so that they don't trouble you too much and so on and so forth. And uh, I feel like that's that's really a lot of the reward is that it's this action-packed thing that is full of so many variables. No two runs are ever quite the same. Yeah, there's a lot of randomness uh, in the game as well, like as to what bosses will spawn and where, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. makes some levels a bit iffy at times, like difficult. Like some <laughs> runs will be much yeah. more difficult than others, which is kind of funny. But if you have a good crew, like a, a good four people, you will probably get through the game on normal difficulty with no real issues. But if you start tackling the harder difficulties, man, you're going to be in for a, for some punishment. Yeah, a wild ride, <laughs> for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like this is this is a really kind of interesting little niche subgenre because you would think it would be very, very samey, but I think that the uh, the variables build up over the course of every game to end up producing a kind of unique experience. The only thing that really stops it being totally chaotic is the fact that the ultimate mission goals and the placement of the side objectives and things like that is always technically the same. Yes, um, that's true. In a way, it's almost like a very, very small-scale roguelike adventure. Um, yeah. Because everything is kind of random, and where you find things is random. What you find is random, um, particularly in Left 4 Dead, where the weapons that you find are also randomized. Um, rather than taking your equipment with you, you kind of find the equipment in the game. Um, I Actually, I know somebody who, <laughs> it was her birthday recently, and I was saying, oh, you know, haven't seen you in years. What have you been doing with yourself? And she's like, playing Left 4 Dead 2. <laughs> I was like, really? And she said, yeah, I know it's sad because it's like a 10-year-old game now, but I still love it. <laughs> I was like, yeah. fair enough. So, um, yeah, there it is. I've never played uh, a lot of Left 4 Dead. If anything, I think I've only played it like a few times with mm -hmm, friends mm -hmm. for like a total of maybe five hours or something. Right, okay. So not a lot not a lot of uh, hours are spent playing that game, but I think fundamentally I like Vermintide a lot more, maybe just because there's no guns. I know we're supposed to be talking about shooters and stuff this episode, but... Well, yeah. To be fair, like I think Vermintide... Is, is is nicer to play because it has a more visceral feel to the combat. Yeah, I'd say I, I generally agree with that. Um And also I, I don't like zombies. I've told it, I've said this before, so um Yeah, well I definitely think that zombies have been done to death. I think that when uh when when, when the game came out, they were doing a fantastic job and in innovating uh Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much exactly what I was gonna say. I yeah. think for its time it was really great. Um yeah, I'm I'm pretty much pretty much zombied out myself. I have to <laughs> yeah. I have to say, um, but yeah. Anyway, uh, so was there anything else you wanted to say on that, or I, I kind of feel like we can move on? No, I I think that's everything on Chicken Run Shooters. So Chicken Run Shooters, there it is, folks. Chicken Run Shooters. You that's heard the title of the episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> chicken what shooters? Um, okay, so from there, let's move on to one that you definitely have more experience with, and you've. Uh, just been nagging me to play all the time, and that is Battle Royale. <laughs> oh, Why yeah. don't you introduce us? Us poor plebs who don't apparently know what Battle Royale is. What What is Battle Royale? If you haven't heard um, about Battle Royale... And, <laughs> if you haven't heard. You yeah. know, listen to this podcast, I guess, because we're going to tell you anyway what it is. So Battle Royale yeah. started off, I think, last year with uh, PUBG or PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds. And the idea is that there's 100 players in-game on a massive map. And the goal of the game is that you are the last guy standing. It's a kind of a free-for-all game, basically, with 100 players, 99 other players besides you. And then you have to shoot all of them, or you have to have them shoot each other until one player remains. Uh, it's, of course, inspired by the similarly named movie, Battle Royale, right? Um, and it, it got really popular last year. It came out of early access, this, this player known as Battlegrounds. It was kind of realistic, and one of the key features that has kind of defined the genre uh, today is the 
this the feature of the shrinking circle. So in order to keep people from sitting in a single spot camping essentially yeah yeah there's a, a circle that shrinks slowly as the match progresses until you're all fighting on a very small area so when there's like five players left it's going to be a super compressed area and you are forced to fight each other if you are outside of the area you slowly die and the further you are from the circle the faster you die so you really have to keep up and stay in the circle and that way, there's always something going on in the game. Yeah, so it just forces it forces movement and conflict, basically. Which is pretty a pretty interesting mechanic. And then, of course, this year, Fortnite exploded in popularity, and a lot of people have been playing this game. So now there's two really popular Battle Royale games, and as a result, we're basically forced to cover the game. I've played both of the games, and uh, I think you have uh, played both as well, right? <laughs> Yeah, yes. <laughs> um, let me ask you. I, I have been, I have been uh, commanded. I have been commandeered <laughs> into as a teammate, basically. Yes. Turns out you can recruit your unwilling friends. <laughs> yes. So you can have uh, up to four people in your team, basically, and then there's like twenty-five teams. It makes the game a little bit more strategic, I guess. Um, team play becomes a little bit more important. But yeah, I basically roped Thane here into playing with me and a few other friends. And we've played both PUBG last year and Fortnite this year. So do you like the genre in general? No. There we go. So that's the end of this segment. Um, let's move on to the... No. Uh, no, no, no. Seriously, I can I can respect why a lot of people enjoy it. Um, it's not that I, I don't see merit. Um, one, one of the things that I really I hate about any kind of commentary is when it's just like, oh, this is crap and, you know, that's it. End of... Um, no, I can definitely see why people enjoy it. It's very fast-paced. It's very action-oriented. As you said yourself, there's always something going on, and you're forced into constant conflict with other players because you can't just camp. You can't just uh, just do that. But in this particular case, I do feel like an awful lot of it stems from pseudo-random elements that you have very little control over. It's not like in, uh, to go back to our previous segment just very briefly, it's not like in Left 4 Dead where when you find weapons, you can kind of choose which weapon you pick up. And there's usually some kind of choice. In this game, you basically pick up whatever you find because anything is better than nothing. And um, there's always the chance that someone is going to come around the corner with a pan and just, you know, hit you with a pan until you die. Yeah, so the, the, the one thing that I actually didn't mention in the explanation is in both PUBG and Fortnite, you start off from like an Airbus or a plane in the sky. You, you and, airdrop in, basically. And you yeah. airdrop in... And you basically decide where you want to go or land. And you also spawn or jump in with no guns at all. So you have to scrounge for both ammunition and guns. So since the, the placement of ammunition and guns is random, you might find yourself landing in a very popular spot with like no good guns nearby. And then you'll be executed really quickly. Or maybe you land somewhere that is fairly far off from a very populated area on the island and you find a really good gun and then you can make it to like the top 20 or maybe you can even win the game. Mm -hmm. I mean, it should be noted that this is something that I don't like, but there's definitely room for more skilled players to make more out of less. Uh, you can definitely play smart and employ good techniques and good tactics and skillful play in order to get further, even if you have worse equipment. Um, I just don't particularly like how not level the playing field is right from the get-go. That's just not something I particularly like. If I'm going to be playing a game like this, I like to generally have it on an even playing field. And um, yeah, that's not really something that this particular genre offers. So it's just not to my taste. It's not that I don't see that the, the genre is good. But just as a quick example, as an aside, there is a game that does something like this where you can kind of choose a class or a build and you can walk into a mission with some equipment already. Um, and this is called Escape from Tarkov. And um, in Escape from Tarkov, you have more options for how you go into every mission, and so it's a little bit more fair. But also, if you die, you lose the equipment you were carrying at the time. So there's always an element of risk. Do you carry your best loadout? And then if you don't pay attention and you screw up, you're going to lose it? Or do you take something less valuable and scrounge a little bit more and hopefully make it out of, you know, escape from Tarkov with better equipment that you're able to equip, you know, on a later date. So I think that's kind of cool. Um, and I like the fact that you can have a better idea of what you're walking in with, if that makes sense, rather than who knows what's going to happen. 
So yeah, just my thing. Uh, but yeah, back to you. What were you going to say? Um, Fortnite also has an interesting thing going for it um, because it was originally based off of the co-op uh, builder game that then spawned yeah kind of build your own build your own base horde defense game basically yeah and then it spawned the battle royale mode basically and became super popular i remember people talking especially you guys you you bought into the um the early access yeah yeah we did model for the original fortnite which was the co-op base defense base construction component and i was like oh this game i'm not very impressed at all but then they did the battle royale mode and boom popularity explosion like half a year later i think but then the battle royale was free yeah i kind of feel like yeah the gameplay in the uh, the base defense pve co-op version of the game was a little bit misrepresented (laughs) i have to say um because it looked like it was going to be something open world where you would have to explore into new territories and then build a base there in order to defend it Uh um but that's not how it plays at all you really just go into a random generic map defend a random generic objective and then leave and then you repeat that until you're bored of the game essentially yeah so i was kind of disappointed by that but you know that kind of sucks but i like that they took the building component into the battle royale mode because it really does it does increase the um the interesting factor to me where you can like make buildings out of nothing, like have them materialize really quickly. And you're like instantly yeah. <laughs> smacking on buildings to collect resources. It's um, I know people say, Oh, they're total competitors, but I think like they both cater to a very different audience. I definitely think they can, but I, I think that probably a lot of people who enjoy one will also enjoy the other. I think that the, the shared yeah. community is probably larger than the uh, unique community that each of them would garner. Yeah, perhaps. Um, I mean, I would argue that in in a lot of ways, the the usurper to the genre, if you want to call it that, uh, in Fortnite Battle uh-huh. Royale, is a lot more polished in a lot of ways. And I don't just mean that in the in the technical sense, like it runs better because obviously it's more polished than PUBG. But um, I think with the building mechanics and with the fact that most structures are destructible, so that you can't just hide in a house. And force a shootout on your own terms if you get lucky with the uh, the zone placement where you can survive, things like that. Um, uh-huh. There's always an aspect of being able to kind of outplay and outmaneuver your opponent as opposed to just you know sitting there and forcing a forcing a gunfight that's totally to your favor and so on. Yeah. But um, yeah, if any developers for Fortnite or PUBG are listening to this, please add the feature for you to switch what shoulder you're looking over because whenever I'm going to the left around a corner. It's a real pain in the butt. <laughs> I think that's in the game in in PUBG. In PUBG has it been yeah. added? Okay, okay. I think it, I think it's in the game there. I know you can first person, which makes it slightly better. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So both games really have kind of a different feel to them. So yeah, yeah I, I I kind of enjoy both. I don't love the genre. I can I can bear playing it for a bit, which isn't a very positive review, but. Um, I know that there's a lot of people who have really fallen in love with this genre, and I can mm-hmm. totally get it. This game reminds me in a way of the earlier Call of Duty games that were super big back in the day, like 2000 and I want to say 9, 2010. Mm-hmm. You had Call of Duty. Everybody was playing Call of Duty, and whether it was on PC or console, it was really big, and everybody was talking about it. And in that way, everybody's talking about Fortnite now, and like, oh, all this new stuff is happening. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have to say yeah. though, um, I like the way they monetize it by selling you a battle pass where you can you pay a flat rate, and then you can level up by playing the game, and then you get rewards. Yeah, like you actually you play the game to get achievements and stuff. I think that's a lot better. Like unlocking that progression path, and then. Being able to play the game to progress is a lot better than just buying skins, for sure. Yeah, so not to turn this into a microtransaction uh, special episode again, but yeah, I think that is a much <laughs> uh, much more Im- improved model as opposed to Overwatch, where you could be like, whoa, I'm earning loot boxes, but it doesn't feel like a progression. And the way this, the, the seasonal system works in PUBG is, is it does work with an actual progression system. You start at rank one, and then you level up a bunch, and then... For each rank you gain, there's rewards in store for you, and you know what reward you can expect, so you know what you're buying into, basically, if you're buying into something, which is good. 
I think that's definitely uh, one to counter the toxicity of random money spending monetization models. Yes, I um, mean it's a it's a perfect move um, along with making the game free to play. So yeah, I think the two go hand in hand very well. Massive increase of reach and a fair business model, I think, um, makes this a more a much more ethical game than. Um, PUBG is because PUBG does have loot boxes and that kind of stuff and you can sell some very rare items for ridiculous prices on the um, Steam marketplace as well so uh, as far as that is concerned like I would recommend people play Fortnite and not play PUBG. Fortnite also runs a lot better than PUBG. PUBG has been like a performance <laughs> joke yeah uh, for quite some time now. Oh man that uh, yeah that super high bar man it performs better than PUBG it's almost a meme. Um, like you you would be paying money for an inferior game unless you like realism a lot like there's no reason for you to go and play PUBG. Mhm. Yeah. Well, you you like the weird the weird hybridization between realism and hyper intensified zonal combat, which is kind of a, an interesting one. Uh I'm not going to say it's bad or silly. I mean it is a lot of fun to play, but you know there it is. Yes, I I wanted to say one particular thing and this is um related to a bit of a technical matter. When it comes to these uh, these kind of battle royale games, one of the issues that they have is that when you are playing with a hundred people, so basically the first 10, 15 minutes of the game, or hell, even less, um, but the first 10 minutes you can expect to have a, a rather large player base on a single server from a technical network point of view. That is a bit annoying because that means that by the time the game gets closer to the end, you will actually have less players connected to the server and you will be able to send out more updates and have more precise gameplay being transmitted to every game client. Uh, if you are among the last 20 players of the game, you will have a smoother experience than if you were uh, getting shot at as one of the first people uh, to die, for instance, on the server. Like, let's say you're in a firefight and no one has died yet. Then your odds of actually shooting somebody else and killing them is smaller as opposed to when there's 20 people left because the, the amount of updates that your machine is pushing out and receiving from other computers is actually slower. So it's going to be harder to hit people when there's more people on the server as opposed to when there's less people on the server, which makes early engagements kind of finicky. And that's what I've been feeling when I've been playing the game. It's like my accuracy is all over the place at the start of the game because the game client's trying to figure out who's winning. And then there's... <laughs> at the end of the game you know i'm like super accurate i'm like it, it kind of makes sense and it's a technical limitation but it kind of sucks that it, it that it is this way because it makes early engagements kind of uh like russian roulette basically in a kind of uh funny yeah. and both non-funny way so well yeah i think this was the thing that really broke it for me and our, our mutual friend jeers as well was the way in the earlier parts of the game sometimes you can just start a match and get knocked out and then start a match and get knocked out and start a match and get knocked out. And you just feel like you're not really playing the game. It's almost like you're watching some kind of stop motion claymation crap going on. You you really can't figure out what's going on half the time. And then, oh, you died. And you're like, well, I didn't really die. <laughs> what's that movie again? Is it Groundhog Day? You're like reliving yourself getting killed over and over again. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, and at the start of the game, which um, is pretty annoying. Yeah, it is. It is a frustration of the game, I think, and I know that uh, probably a lot of people are just going to respond with, "Oh, we'll get you know, get good scrub." It's like, well, yeah, but you know, there's a limit to what anybody can do. I'm not saying I'm the best person, you know, to play these games ever. Far, far, far from it. But at the same time, there's a limit to what anybody can do. You know, with one hand tied behind their back and a blindfold on. You know, <laughs> like yeah, it's this it's is just not again, like I said, well. this is a very it's a very technical limitation. So you cannot do much about it. Like, of course. There is also a very big like skill ceiling, I guess, or like a, a skill curve as well when you're playing the game. It's it's going to be obvious that the people who win a lot of time have played like a lot of time. And you can, you can really notice by the end of the game when you're playing Fortnite that there's people out there who can do crazy shit, who are really good at the game. And then we're sitting there like, I know how to construct a wall. And these people are like building these massive defensive structures and staircases and like tactically using buildings and of course if we were to pump in like 50 hours of gameplay and we would be like yeah let's go let's play PUBG all day long like i'm sure we would get to that level 
but for someone who jumps into the game, I can imagine it it might be slightly daunting and be like, Ooh, I'm getting killed yeah. right away. What? Why are you guys enjoying this game? But yeah. Yeah, as a casual experience, I would say it's much weaker than something like Overwatch, for example. Which is interesting, um, given that it's yeah. a free game. I kind of, I would like to see numbers on this, because mm -hmm. we might be totally off. And yeah. People might actually enjoy this a lot, but I don't know. To me, yeah. maybe it's because we're no longer the the youngsters that we used to be. Uh, Speak for yourself, man. Um, yeah. <laughs> my, my, my mental age has been the same for the last 10 years. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can get behind that. My wife tells me so. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think, yeah, we've pretty much exhausted this particular vein. And I'm itching, itching to talk about one that I really like, and that is the ISO shooter. Oh, the ISO shooters. So the isometric top down. I do not. I do not. Yeah, I do not know really why I like these so much. But ever since I was a kid, I really liked the kind of top down shooter perspective. And uh, this extends kind of to the, the side view, the side scroller. Uh, type shooter as well, but I really like the top-down personally. Um, I, I don't, again, I don't really know why, but I can find myself really immersed in shooters like this. So uh, for anybody not familiar with this, we're talking about like old-school GTA really started this off, where you're looking down on your character from above, you can turn in 360 degrees, and you basically blast bad guys in every single one of those degrees around you. Oftentimes these are hack-and-slash type games like Diablo, or, jeez, uh, uh, we talked about Diablo before, um, or any of the competitors to Diablo, like uh, Grim Dawn, Victor Vran, Torchlight, any of those that we talked about before. Um, but there are some modern ones that are kind of interesting in that they've become a little bit more tactical, or they've just gone all in on the kind of carnage aspect that made old school GTA so fun. So one that I've been playing recently is Ruiner, which is a uh, kind of, I guess it's a it's an ISO shooter RPG-like not really roguelike because you don't have to start again from scratch every time you play, but um, it's built on like kill combos and how many enemies can you kill in a given time frame? How quickly can you complete the stage? Um, you get rewarded based on how quickly you complete every arena and various other things. So it's kind of an arcadey type thing, but it's kind of a neat cyberpunk themed uh, environment. You've got some somewhat something of a story. It's your typical, like your protagonist has amnesia and needs to go and find something or someone. It's it's kind of fun. It's fairly well written in terms of like voice acting and the characters that you interact with are, are kind of fun. Um, and it's a bit of a change of pace because it's cyberpunk and that's not used all that often. It's more like cyberpunk noir, like cyberpunk from, you know, the 70s and 80s when everything was like black and really blocky looking technology with neon lights all over it. You know, in the, in the future, all of our telephones will be the size of a house you know, it's just like, all right, you know, and they'll be covered in neon lights. Yep, sure. Seems reasonable. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, so that's, I've been having a lot of fun with that. But this also includes one that I really tried to get you guys to play and none of, none of you enjoyed it. And that was Helldivers. I'm so sad about that. Um, so Helldivers is a little bit more, more tactical. It's kind of interesting, but it's like, it's like lol strategy, like haha strategy, basically, where you every piece of equipment that you want to equip needs to be called down out of orbit. But when you call it down, yeah. the drop pod can just land on your allies and instantly kill them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Many, many, many times. Yes. Like or or you can run your friends over with your tank by accident. And there's like a stupid amount of momentum and very limited braking oh, power yeah, on that, the vehicles. So you can move at like five miles an hour and then you're like, no, while you're like just watching yourself slowly edging towards your ally who can't quite move out of way in time it's just like no please no and just oh okay well right we'll try and revive you man <laughs> um and then of course there's bro force at the uh the total extreme carnage end of the spectrum where everything is exploding all the time and there are four people who are screen locked to each other so you can't none of you has your own screen you're all on one screen it's the it's the ultimate screen share carnage oh, okay. that's experience. Interesting. <laughs> um, that's a lot of fun. And it's like hyper, hyper manly. If you're a girl and you have a sense of humor, by all means, check that out. If you're a guy, you don't need the sense of humor. <laughs> You'll just enjoy this. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's, that's pretty much ISO shooters. Where are you with ISO shooters? Where, where are you in your, in your ISO shooter grief experience? <laughs> <laughs> my grief boo, experience boo. i'm not a, i'm not a big fan of of these kinds of games uh why not why not i don't know I, I they don't do much for me um i i i don't think i can really point my finger at it but i don't know um 
is it a lack of immersion? Is it the fact that the controls just don't make you feel like you're Maybe maybe it is. You know, I I'm a I'm a a very story loving guy and I usually don't find that there's lots of interesting story to be found in ISO shooters. So so you're not a story fighting guy, you're a lover not a fighter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I apologize. I don't know. Um was the I there was a story in Helldivers, wasn't there? But it was not like it was, was it was there? it was the bare bones minimum, right? Like, where are we, and what is the rationalization for what we're doing? Yeah, the I I think the story mostly just explains the art oh, yeah. style that yeah. they chose. Like, that's that's about the. the so limit. you said Runer has um, more of a story. Yeah, it has a little bit more. Um, mostly, when I say it has a story, I don't really mean to say that it has a uh, super deep, engaging storyline. No, it doesn't need a, to have a, a really, super deep and engaging storyline. <laughs> a really a really deep uh -huh. plot or anything. It's more like um, your actions along the way are justified by changes in a plot-related situation, yeah. essentially. So this happens, okay, I'm going to go and take care of that. Okay, now this is happening. So we're introducing you to this other character who's going to do this for you, and then blah, blah, blah. And the thing kind of moves on from there. Um, and some options become available as you progress through the game and oh you've defeated this group of enemies and elim eliminated their leader and so now those enemies for some reason become loyal to you and you know blah right and and it's kind of it's fun in a way it laughs at itself it doesn't take itself overly seriously um if you really want a good feel for that just watch the trailer um where the uh, the kind of narrator for the for the game the narrator for the whole story basically is this um hacker who's supposedly speaking to you in your brain um, and basically starts off by telling you, you were hacked by some people, and they made you do terrible things, and now they have your brother. And that's basically the start of the game, and you're going to go and get your brother back. Um, but like right there in the trailer, the the person says, I'm, I'm here to help you, I'm here to guide you, I'm here to act like I fucking care. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> wow, fair <okay>. enough. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. honest. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I had a lot of fun with that. It's basically just gun blasting hack okay, and slash cool. stuff. Yeah, I, I think my problem with the with the genre in general is just the isometric perspective. In the same way, I don't really enjoy games like Diablo and Victor Vran and Torchlight. Like I I've played them for a bit, but they never really grabbed me. And I think it has to do with the uh, with the perspective, because. When I look at uh, a game like that, generally speaking, from, from that perspective, I'm playing something that is more complex, like an RTS, from, from that perspective. And it's, I, yeah, I never really get used to, to the fact that you're just controlling a single warrior or unit. Uh, okay, right. So for you, that kind of perspective justifies an overview of a complex situation. Right, right. Why not have a different point of view? So you feel you feel it's too distant to be engaging in the way that first or possibly even third? Is that fair yeah. to say? You could still be engaged with a third that's person? The f that's the feeling that I have, I think, which is why I don't really find myself investing a lot in these games. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, like, for me, I get really immersed in just about anything. Like, I've, I've said this before to Jeers. I remember mentioning this once that... Um, Sometimes I get so immersed in a game that if I fall off a ledge or something, I will physically like cringe and my stomach uh -huh, will tense yeah. in my in my torso. Like I have an involuntary physical reaction. <laughs> so yeah, for me, I guess the distance doesn't make as much of a difference. Yeah, but um, maybe it's maybe it is a classic thing because I've I've always been playing RTSs from a young age, and maybe it's like my body saying this is wrong. You're not supposed to have a single unit. What is this? Um, but yeah, <laughs> my body is my body is ready for yeah. ISO. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think I mean there's there's definitely exceptions um, in in terms of like RPG. Some I don't mind playing, but if if there's an option for me to get more into the character, to zoom in to the character, I will uh, actually make use of that. Actually, that reminds me of of the original Dragon Age. So Dragon Age One on PC, you had two options uh, as to how you could play the game. And there was this isometric perspective, like the classic Baldur's Gate look and feel. Or you could actually 
scroll on with your mouse wheel and zoom in a lot and almost not really have a third person perspective but it it's kind of like that but you're just zoomed in really really closely um and that kind of approaches the way like dragon age 3 and the second dragon age played uh and when i say mm-hmm. dragon age 3 i mean uh dragon age inquisition i don't think it was formally called dragon age 3 but yeah so so those are cl- from a closer perspective um and i really enjoyed that um but i never found myself zooming out unless like there was an actual tactical necessity like oh no i'm being swarmed by 10 people like how do i fix this and then you would be looking around on the battlefield trying to figure it out and um with mm-hmm. iso shooters and with um like the the really action driven games like diablo you're not stopping and thinking how am i going to tackle this you can't pause time you're like smashing and crushing and shooting and well i think that's that's kind of the point though because if it's a game like like ruiner where there are almost not quite but like semi like soft bullet hell elements to it you don't have the 360 awareness to deal with a gameplay style like that unless you have the iso perspective you you couldn't you couldn't really play that or you could but it'd be insanely difficult um so I don't know. I think, yeah, I, I guess each one just plays to the strengths of its viewpoint, really, because, um, I mean, you could definitely have something like that. It just wouldn't be quite the same if you did it in third person or, or in first person. But, uh, like, what about, what about alternative games that are a little bit more hybrid? They're kind of ISO or third person, uh, like, for example, Overlord, where there's, uh, more of a reason for you to have a, uh, more distant perspective from the character, or there's a new one, um, Masters of Anima, it's called, which is almost like Pikmin, if you remember that from back in the year, the yesteryear. Um, and uh, you kind of guide minions around. Would you still be interested in that? I'm I'm familiar with Pikmin, but I've never played. Okay, anything Masters yet. of Anima is pretty new. So, um, like, would you be interested in a game like that then, where like from an ISO perspective? Because it is a little bit more like real time strategy esque. Probably, I think it depends on what the game's trying to do. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Uh, when it comes to like isometric shooters, I think most of them don't really interest me that much. Oh yeah, that that, that reminds me. Do you play these with keyboard and mouse or with a controller? Uh, yeah, I think I would like to play a lot of these with a controller, um, but I do not actually own one, and I've never splashed out okay. for one. So I'm told that there are some of these games that really you should play with a controller. Like I could see Ruiner in particular being a lot yeah, better. Yeah, I'm asking you because controller. I remember playing on the PlayStation a one of one of one of those kinds of games. So an ISO shooter basically, and you you just use mm-hmm. the two sticks, and that is f- yeah, twin stick shooter. Yeah, and it. Mm-hmm. It feels kind of nice, but it it doesn't grab me personally. I find the the more modern shooters um where you are in first or third person more interesting, but I I like I personally cannot imagine playing with a keyboard. Like that's I well, I I have played with a keyboard. I've played Helldivers for a while with a keyboard and then I switched to a controller. Um yeah, and that yeah. was more comfortable uh for sure. Yeah, I'm not going to lie, man. I, I would really like to try these with a controller. <laughs> I just haven't. We were looking at PS4s not too long ago. Um, we were talking about God of War just yes. before this uh, this podcast. And yeah, uh-huh. the new God of War, which uh, sounds actually really good. It is. Um, I would love to play it, but I'm not sure I can afford a PlayStation 4 just to play that. Because I'm here in the UK, and here in the UK, we like tax, apparently. So um, things like that are very expensive for no particular reason. Much more expensive than they are on the continent. I don't well, know my why. recommendation in but, general uh, for, for this kind yeah. of stuff is if you can get it secondhand... That is uh, often a, a good deal, and especially when there's a new console generation rolling out. A lot of people sell their old stuff. Yeah, like, I, yeah. I sold um, our mutual friend Jeers my old PlayStation when the new one came out, and now he's been playing God of War as well. He's actually further along than I am, because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been doing a lot of uh, uh, Total War Warhammer with, uh, with another friend of ours. Okay, well... Anyway, we're going to end up talking about God of War if we keep going on this uh, on this vein. Uh, what's next? I say we go for looter shooters. Everybody's favorite. <laughs> Except you. Um, <laughs> Except me. Because, you, yeah, you and I seem to be, like, diametrically opposed on some games. Like, I think... Am I, am I right in saying here, is it fair to say that you just don't see the point? <laughs> is that Well, fair? let me tell you about my one big problem with this genre, all right? 
Okay, I'm going to do my uh, my Willy Wonka. Please tell me more. Okay. There's there's two problems uh, that I have with this genre in general. So the first problem is that most enemies in looter shooters are very bullet spongy. I've mentioned this before, but I really enjoy visceral combat. Um, and so what about games in which the it's more hack and slash then? Does that does this still apply? The the is same it, rule applies. You... If I have to hit the enemy twenty thousand times with my really sharp blades, um, kind of um, doesn't make me enjoy the game quite as much. So so what I'm saying is, if you hit the enemy and they die instantly to your very sharp blades, but you just have to keep killing more and more and more endless hordes of enemies, that is more enjoyable to me than having only a few very bullet spongy enemies. Like I can imagine, okay. there's there's a few reasons as to why you would want a more bullet spongy enemy, and I will accept it in bosses and stuff. But like the regular guys who are running at you should be fairly easily killable, which is again why I like um, Vermintide, for example, because you can just slice at these simple guys and they will just die from a single hit, which is fun. Yeah, they're they're more about putting pressure on you as opposed to killing you by themselves, really. Yes. So for you. I actually, I fully agree with you in this. I think there's a type of power scaling that I would refer to as just numbers getting bigger. Yeah. And I really don't like this. I, f I think it's a very lazy design decision. And this is not to slight any developers, but the concept of having a large amount of health is an excellent, excellent tool for gating difficulty in terms of like commitment to mechanics. When you're talking about a boss is okay to have a large amount of hit points, that's because if the boss dies instantly... Any mechanics or special abilities that that boss has immediately fall by the wayside. The boss has to be able to live long enough to force you to follow the rules of the boss fight. Yeah, or and there needs to be of, yeah. uh, a, a reason or a mechanic where you have to act differently or, or use a different mechanic to defeat the boss. Maybe something totally foreign. Maybe, let's say your guns or your blades just don't actually deal any damage. Maybe there's something else you need to be destroying, killing, or, you know, interacting with in order to beat the boss. Yeah. That makes the typical, like, cutting ropes and dropping chandeliers on the boss yeah. or something like that. That yeah, is yeah. much more interesting to me than just, oh, let's just hit this guy 500 times in a row and then he'll die. Yeah. See, it's interesting, though, because do you do you like Dark Souls games? Uh... Because I find I find Dark Souls games immensely... Uh, problematic for this reason. Uh, I have not played any. Uh, game. Yeah. I've only played Demon Souls the first fifteen minutes, and I found it very frustrating. Yeah, but that is probably because I am, you know, not experienced or not good at the game. Yeah. Well, one thing is, I would say that a lot of people compare like Bloodborne to Dark Souls, and they say like, obviously, these are the same uh, kind of subgenre mm -hmm. of of action gameplay type games, but where in Dark Souls, you're encouraged essentially to manage and minimize risk. Yes. In Bloodborne, you have more of a risk versus reward type relationship where you lose health and you can get that health back if you combo the enemy fast enough and hit them back. Yes. So even if you do make a mistake, you can redeem the mistake by engaging the enemy further. So there's kind mm -hmm. of like, how deep do you go? Yeah, I've right? actually played a bit of Bloodborne's intro as well. So I've played both intros of Demon Souls and Bloodborne. And they're different, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So this is kind of what I, I think I would definitely prefer Bloodborne. Yeah. Given given that description alone, I would definitely prefer Bloodborne to my experience with Dark Souls because my experience with Dark Souls is basically you hit the boss and then you repeatedly dodge or evade yeah. or do whatever you have to do in order to avoid getting hit and then you hit the boss one more time. And you're basically going to repeat that 500 times and then the boss is dead. And if you ever mess up, the yeah. boss kills you. Yes. So it's like, I just don't find that interesting. I just don't. I find it very repetitive. And this like kind of comes back to your looter shooter point where uh -huh. that's basically what you feel like you're doing in a looter shooter. See, the the core gameplay and this is where um I kind of I kind of don't blame Dark Souls/Demon Souls/ slash Demon Souls slash Bloodborne quite as much as I do these shooters is the core mechanics in Bloodborne and Demon Souls and Dark Souls and the Souls-like games. Um there's a lot of different kind of classes and, and ways you can take down the, the boss. Yes, there's a repetitive um, process to take them down. But in these shooters, you really are just shooting a gun. And just there, it's like a sponge is like soaking up all of your shots. You don't feel like you're doing any damage. Okay, um, and so my biggest problem 
with the bullet spongy element is generally speaking when there's a boss in a video game and they are bullet spongy there's either different stages or interactivity to make it more exciting but in borderlands especially on any difficulty beyond the regular difficulty the game is like throwing these bullet spongy enemies that do not have different states that are just boring to shoot at at you all the time yeah 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 mm -hmm. it's just constant like line of sight management basically and that's all it really is um i'd have to say that i agree in the case of borderlands and destiny as well because i didn't feel that the the super abilities that you have or the different special effects yeah. of your guns are really impactful enough to make that kind of difference destiny has a lot of mechanical problems especially yeah. the second game in terms of sustainability yeah if we're talking about destiny 2 which is you know the one we we normally hate on because we love that yes um, here here at xpg we we love to hate destiny um well there seems but, to be a uh, consensus that the second game mechanically is worse than the first game which is surprising yeah. that they fucked up on that but yeah yeah mm -hmm. it is kind of but uh, i don't know i would i would disagree in the case of uh maybe to a lesser extent the division but in warframe the gameplay is very ability centric and your different weapons can often feel very different from each other to play. So, and it's a lot more hack and slash. Maybe if you get up to like extremely high level where you're grinding, you know, high level loot in a long duration mission, like endless missions, you have to have something that eventually pushes you out of that mission. And so bullet sponginess is one of the ways to do that. I would say it's the laziest way, but there's also the fact that in general in Warframe, particularly in the last year or so, they've been making uh definite inroads on producing enemies that are a little bit more strategically or tactically complex to fight and i'm really really keen to see that move forward as long as they don't do really stupid things because they've had some really dumb ideas like you have to shoot tiny little i don't know like uh, you have to shoot this tiny little um spot on an enemy's belly or something <laughs> there's there's no way to to get that to mm -hmm. be exposed right. there's no mechanic for that in the game unless you take a specific one or two warframes and do a specific thing and then you know but it's really really just a very janky mechanic <laughs> right i must confess um, i have not played a lot of warframe but i definitely yeah. did not get the impression that it was very uh bullet spongy uh, no like no, 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 no. not a lot of very bullet spongy enemies it does feel very visceral like if there's any of these games that i like the best it's probably warframe uh hands down well, I would say that there's an element of that in the division, like with the tougher enemies that you fight, they can be quite bullet spongy. And I would say that's, that's one of the downsides of the game. Like a boss oftentimes is not really much tougher than the normal, like tough enemies that you just find in the world, which is kind of disappointing. Um, it's just like, it puts you in tougher circumstances, really. Um, there aren't really that many mechanics and things as, as far as I've seen in the division, but, um, I don't know. I enjoy the open world aspects of the division. The The world is very detailed and quite complex in terms of its layout. I really like that. Um, and you can, you can take on enemies in different ways. Um, I would say that the variety is not really there in the way that it is in Warframe, but it's a nice change of pace from Warframe, which is what I use it for as a game. Um, but yeah, on the whole, I would say that I enjoy looter shooters for the progression I enjoy looter shooters for the fact that you can master that process of gameplay. Like if you do a certain mission type, doing it in a certain way, um, particularly in Warframe again, uh, because you can do it a certain way with certain types of Warframe with certain weapons, and you can really perfect how you've done a given thing. Um, and then you can change and do something else and perfect that. And then you can come back to the first thing again and so on and so forth. Um, I really enjoy that aspect of it. And I like the fact that there's so much variety in a lot of these games for different gameplay styles. And this goes back to Diablo and other things as well, where you can make your skill builds and things like that. Um, however, I would say that no looter shooter has really gotten it right in terms of there being a kind of strength and weakness comparison. A lot of these end up feeling like an amputated MMO um, with just co-op gameplay, where you're kind of doing the same thing over and over and over. That brings me to my second problem that I have with uh, looter shooters. Okay. Yep. Please do. Please and do. And that is already something you can figure out by listening to the name of the genre. It's the looting aspect of the genre that I think needs work. But everybody loves loot. Everybody loves loot. Give me as much as you can, is what you would think. But see there, you would be wrong. The amount of loot that you receive from beating enemies especially common loot especially like i'm thinking about borderlands 
and to a certain degree, I think this also applies to Destiny, The Division, and uh, maybe Warframe, I think less so in Warframe, but the amount of common drops you get in these games is just ridiculous. If you get a common drop, you're just gonna throw it away or sell it. There's no point in having it around. It has no value because you're always looking for the rare equipment. And then of course you could ask yourself the question, but if you remove the common drops and make everything special, then the special drop isn't special anymore. Which well, that's yeah, that's kind of the problem that you have in Warframe, where basically yeah. um, you don't get drops per se. Instead, you'll get materials, and you use the materials to craft um, things. Like sometimes you'll get parts. So in a way, you have um, I guess you'd call this uh, gradual progress towards having an item. But the thing that that makes this really frustrating in Warframe is that it's all completely RNG, whether you get it or not. So in a way, going into every mission. And completing that mission or completing a stage in the mission is like getting a loot box because you never know you never know if you're going to get what you actually want. And kind of like what you're saying with regards to trash drops, as it were, you will get an absolutely mind-boggling amount of materials that you don't need or... When you need them, the quantity that you need them in is not enough to justify the amount that you get. And you'll you'll almost I call this like incidental incidental progress or incidental farming, incidental gathering, I guess you might call it, where in the course of just playing the game normally, you get so many rewards that you don't immediately need that by the time you do need them, you've got so many of them anyway that it doesn't really feel like you are making any kind of progress, you just go, oh, I uh, I already have that. I guess I'll just craft that right away. And this this happens to me every time they release some new weapons or something like that. I'll usually find that if they release five new weapons, I can probably craft three of them immediately, which kind of takes away from the feeling of progression and reward, if that makes any kind of sense. Like, you have so many materials stored up they almost completely lose their value. Would you say this is the case for most players, or is this just because you have played a lot of Warframe? Uh, I definitely haven't played as much Warframe as many people. Um, And I'd say that a lot of the people who have more hours in it than me are kind of getting bored of the game. So yes, I I would say that this is a consistent problem for what what you might call veterans. Um, A lot of people are basically... People have been increasingly getting upset with Warframe in general over the last couple of years because they feel like the changes to the game, and maybe less so recently, actually, maybe less so recently, because they have been adding some things that do change the way that you play, they do change the environment that you play in, but a lot of the time, all they're doing is taking the same old game modes and putting new rewards at the end. So they're just saying, oh, well, you know that thing that you've been playing for the last three years? We'll go and play it some more and get this new thing. Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, yeah. I've how been, about some new? How about some new gameplay? <laughs> I've been hearing good things about the game recently, um, because there was a, a documentary on Warframe by the um, uh, what? By NoClip. Yeah. Um, and I believe in recent memory, there's been like two two big updates like the one where they introduced the kind of open world ish area um into the game and then the, the i don't know if the if the update is upcoming or if it's already here but there's a massive ui overhaul apparently coming with like uh improvements to the menu system and the skills and stuff right okay i actually don't know anything about the ui changes um but i know that uh not not overly long ago, they introduced their first kind of open world environment, if you want to call it that. Yeah, the Plains and of Adalon or something? Plains of Adalon, yes. And uh, the big change that that uh, represented was a departure from the corridor shooter type map building. And so that's, um, it feels very different. But essentially, this is kind of where I, I was moving on to my my statement that it feels almost like an an amputated MMO at that point because it's it's an MMO with the open world and all that and it's really fun to play the game in my opinion I really love the moment to moment gameplay loop but 
again, you just feel like you do the same thing over and over. And after a while, that's not really interesting or exciting anymore. They've added a totally new environment. And yet the gameplay opportunities that are represented by that don't really seem to have been capitalized on. Like there's, there's nothing that uses all that space except a couple of side quests where you literally just run around. Like, oh, escort this drone from point A to point B. And in a in a corridor shooter, you would just be going down corridors, and now you're going over open fields, but it's the same thing. Yeah. I will say that it feels quite different, and it's really nice to be able to make your way around the map and find enemy bases and settlements and just kind of, you know, attack them and blow them up. And, you know, they'll call in reinforcements if you don't do it fast enough and you don't maintain stealth. But you don't really feel like you're going through a, a progression where a mission is going through stages and you're like how you do it at the beginning is going to change the way it turns out at the end. For yeah. example, there's no there's no feeling of that. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like it's a good game. It's a lot of fun. I feel like it's gained a lot of attention that it does deserve particularly from uh, Destiny 2 leavers, like people who have finally thrown in the towel on Destiny 2 and are just <laughs> not not going to try anymore. Um, I think it does deserve the attention it's getting. And I feel like, I've said this before and I'll say it again, I wish I could come to Warframe as a new player today because there is so much to do in the game today that if you started playing now, you will play it for a long time before you really hit that wall where you don't feel like there's anything new to do anymore. Yeah. And the core gameplay loop is definitely entertaining enough to keep you going until that point. But for me, as someone who's been playing it since launch, I think I'm past that point. I'm not going to say point of no return, but getting there. Right. Yeah. If that makes sense. I'll still jump in and have fun playing it for a little while, but not for a long time. Yeah, you sound like you're maybe a little bit burned out on the game, like in terms of content. Yeah, but I think it's I'm burned out on the game in terms of core gameplay. Like right, I would yeah. want to see I would want to see changes that make your weapon choices more important. I would want to see changes where your build is about more than just doing the maximum damage in the maximum area, which it often turns into, or just, you know, being able to stun everything you can see at the same time. Uh -huh. Because okay. that kind of makes it pointless. <laughs> so, so question, how many hours have you spent on uh, Warframe? Let me uh, let me bring up my, my Steam account page real quick, and I will tell you. Warframe. Uh, okay, so this is a bit of a tricky one. I'm actually going to launch the game, and I will tell you once I'm in-game. Okay, so my total time actually playing the game of Warframe, so this is not the, the stat that's shown on the Steam profile page, because that'll track the time that you're downloading updates and other things, but the time that I've actually spent in-mission is 914 hours. 914. Okay, so that's a lot of time. Have you spent is, any money yeah. on the game? Uh, yes, I did. When I started playing, I played the game for a few days and was having an absolute blast. And I decided that in order to kind of, I, I don't know what to call it, I just to enhance my experience because I was already having a really good time and I thought I could play this without spending a penny. You can do that, definitely. But your progress is a little bit slower because you can't trade for items without trading the real money currency. Otherwise, you just have to barter. And when you're a new player, obviously, you have nothing to barter. So um, I decided to spend, I think it was about 25 pounds. And my wife did also. And we both played that together. So for a total investment of about 50 pounds, we accelerated our journey into the game and had a really good time. Yes. As far as... Um you know, the amount of money spent to amount of hours played ratio is concerned. Uh, this is a very excellent investment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, we've spent a little bit more money here and there. Like we've we've had a 75% off ticket at one point to buy some more in-game currency and we spent a little bit more, but... Yeah, yeah. You haven't dropped like a thousand pounds on this. No, game, right? no, 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 nothing close. I think in total, we may have spent 80 to 100 pounds over three or four years. So, I mean, that's that's definitely not... Not bad. And I would also like to point out that after having played the game a lot, the items that I've had and traded and sold would far surpass the amount of platinum that I've bought with real money. So you can, this is one of the cool things, is because the economy is based on real money trade. Um, if I, as a player, go out and play the game for free and get a couple of high level items for myself, and then I get duplicates of those items, I can sell those to people for the real money currency, which means that you can get the real money currency to trade to other people without having to pay for it with real money. 
And I think this is really cool because it gives you a very legitimate free-to-play option where there really are no no differences between you and somebody who paid the money, except that you farmed the items. So in a way, you know, you you actually just played the game more, and in the process of playing the game more, you got the money too. So yeah, I, I think it's a pretty good I think it's a pretty good model. But yeah, so on the whole, I would say very good investment. I have a lot of fun with it. But yeah, um, the game definitely has its flaws. For people who have been playing it for a long, long time. I think a lot of people were looking for a dramatic change in gameplay elements, um, but Digital Extremes tends to want to add things like more fashion or mining rocks or like harvesting plants. And that, I mean, that stuff is cool and fishing is fun. Don't get me wrong, but I don't feel like that's really changing the game in a big, bold way. So um, yeah. Anyway, so that's pretty much Looter Shooters. You play, you progress, you get loot. It's fun if you like it. It's fun if you like to master a system. It's often a blast moment-to-moment gameplay-wise. But yeah, I would say that in terms of really long play, the looter shooter kind of feels a little bit sad because after you've sunk a thousand hours into it, you kind of wonder, what have I what have I really done with my time here? Because now that I'm at the top of the ladder, all I can do is look down if that makes sense. So your journey almost in a lot of ways with looter shooters feels a little bit wasted, even though it's very fun getting to that point. Um, so that's, uh, that's pretty much me. <laughs> yes. All right. So, uh, drawing, uh, looter shooters to a close then, uh, I guess that's pretty much us talked out. Uh, so the battle Royale, the chicken run shooters, as we call them, the looter shooters, ISO shooters. Uh, I think we've covered just about everything. Is that, uh, is that going to sit right with you? If we finish on this note, Mr. Silverstrike? Yes, that sounds good. And I know we've been, uh, well, especially me, I haven't been very uh, positive this episode. I've been uh, saying a lot of things as to, you know, I'm not a big fan of of these kind of games, which is unfortunate, but um, I think uh, they deserved uh, discussion regardless. You know Um, what? I think it's it's good, though, because I think, um, like, maybe this is just us, you know, bigging up our own perspective. But for anybody who is listening to the podcast, and obviously you don't know us personally, and you're interested more in like why we're saying what we're saying, and maybe maybe you are picking up on this idea that Mr. Silverstrike here is is maybe talking more negatively about this collection of genres. There are some things that I've liked uh, here, but some things I really haven't liked. Please don't feel like we're just hating on these things, like we we don't like them. It's more like we we like to talk about games. We like to get really under the hood of games and talk about what we love and what we don't love and why those things are. And I think we can see merit and why people enjoy a lot of these games. Um, but we're also I think I speak for both of us when I say we have a commitment to honesty of perspective, um, that we're going to talk about things that, you know, we can definitely see the value in and we can talk about that from a removed perspective, but that doesn't always mean that we're going to like everything that's out there. And and I think that's fair. Um, and I think it's also fair that you know what our opinion is so that that can inform you if you do hear us talk about something and praise it very highly or, you know, really rub it into the dirt like we tend to do with uh, with Destiny 2, I think it's important that you know, look, we, we have this perspective and that's why we're saying what we're saying so that you can think for yourself and know, well, these people don't like that. So yes. maybe that's why they're saying what they're saying. I think it's only fair to be intellectually honest. But uh, anyway. Many of the, um, many of the genres, subgenres that we discussed today in this shooter-like episode, I think also have uh, elements that they share. Uh, Battle Royale games have a bunch of loot that you pick up while you are playing the game. Chicken run shooters have a sense of urgency and immediacy. That is also something you can find in a Battle Royale game. The the looter shooters is, you know, the loot. Uh, Isometric shooters generally have loot or some progression system or maybe even a sense of urgency as you're running through a level. So lots Mm -hmm. of these mechanics are shared. I feel... As if someday, and I'm I'm pretty sure this is going to happen, some developer is going to find like the secret sauce as to what is the perfect combination of all these elements, and they're going to make a really fun and excellent game. And hell, maybe that's what a lot of people love about Fortnite today, is how it is this total mix of many different genres and elements uh, mashed together. Um, but, but maybe for me, there's there'll be some game that will just be really good and have a bunch of these different elements to it and maybe um like if i'm thinking in the future like 
maybe if Bioware don't fuck up Anthem, maybe something like <laughs> Anthem could be something I would enjoy. But you know, yeah, I I don't think I've heard a bigger if in the last five years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's where I'm at with this. Uh, we can only wait and see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, yeah, I really can't wait. There, there's a lot of ideas um, with games and a lot of kind of thought that I put into just thinking about games and how you could build games and how you could develop and, and various other things. I'm, I'm really very much into that aspect of the gaming community. I do a lot of thought and design work on my own, on my own projects and things like that. And so part of my engagement with that does have uh, at least one foot in reality. It's not just, you know, pipe dreams and armchair theory. Um, I do actually have some experience in doing development work like this. And so for me, I really enjoy the puzzle of thinking, okay, if I was going to design this game, how would I design it? And I would, I would love to talk about some ideas that I've had with regards to loot systems and various other things. But as always, we will save that for the appropriate episode. Yes, as always. Keep watching, guys. <laughs> but anyway, um, well, that's totally us, man. We got to shill for ourselves because nobody else is going to do it. Yes. Um, yeah, it's, it's an unfortunate necessity. I apologize to all of our, our all of our viewers. Um, no, uh, no commentators seppukued themselves in the making of this episode, unfortunately. <laughs> but um, anyway, okay. yes, as yeah. always, I think both of us really appreciate everyone who listens to our podcast. Thank you for taking the time to be here with us through this episode. Um, thanks again for listening. And wherever you are in the world, we both want to wish you a good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good night. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>